Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us again on our weekly webinar series, Successful Strategies for Shaping Your Future. It's brought to you in partnership by URSA, Club Solutions, and Rex Executive Roundtables. I'm Brent Darden, and this week we're focusing on the fitness industry, public relations, and communications. And we got some fabulous guests with us this week. We also have our two returning panelists, uh, as we do every week. Blair McHaney, who's the CEO of MXM and the owner of the works of Wenatchee. Bill McBride, who's co-founder, president, and CEO of Active Wellness. And our guest panelists this week are Allison Rand, who's the director of marketing for Vita Fitness, uh, and her partner in crime, if you will, Britt Waters, who's the social media manager for Vita Fitness. Uh, and finally, our own Meredith Poplar, who's the vice president at URSA, and she's in charge of communications and leadership engagement for the association. So we've got a lot of talent here today to talk about this topic that, uh, frankly, has been weighing on everyone quite a bit. But before we get into the questions, uh, Allison, can you just tell the audience a little bit more about Vita Fitness so they get a perspective of your uh, where you're coming from, please? Sure. Hi everyone, I'm Allison Rand. I head up marketing at Vita. We are um, six locations large, locally owned business in DC. We have five uh, in DC and one in Virginia. Each one is 30 to 60,000 square feet, luxurious facility. We also have spas, salons, um, and two sweat box studios, which is like a hit studio. Okay, great. And Meredith, can you want you want to provide anybody any more detail about sort of the things you continue to work on day in and day out with URSA? Sure. Well, when you say leadership development, that's basically um, the nice way to say fundraising for our advocacy efforts. But what we're talking about here today is the communication side of my job. So I do internal communications to the industry about everything that URSA is working on. And then it's also my job to represent the industry to outside media, New York Times, Washington Post, and so forth. You've obviously seen my name in the Washington Post perhaps recently. Yeah, so that's a great, yeah, so that's a great, so that's a great segue to uh, my first question, Meredith. And I'll let you field it first and we'll let everybody else uh, add on. But I mean, we're just so frustrated in the industry, right? I mean, it really sort of hurts our feelings even that uh, the public and the elected officials and the media just seem to be really not that positive about clubs. Can you just share, you know, some insights from being right out there on the front lines, having conversations with many of these reporters and uh, so forth? Can you share some thoughts with everyone? Definitely. So ever since this crisis began, we've had three major messaging points that we've been trying to get across, depending on who the audience is. When we're talking to national media, we we really try to explain how hurting the industry is because with national media and DC media, we need to get our message to Congress. The airlines got their message to Congress, restaurants got their message to Congress. They still seem tone deaf that our industry is hurting so much. So that is why sometimes, and it happened yesterday, that today, today's show put out an article that talked about how devastated the industry is. I'm sorry that you guys have to read that bad news message, but we do need to get it out there to get into the next relief package. But to talk more about our message when we're talking to consumer media, we've had two major messages, and that's obviously clubs are clean, clubs are clean. And clubs, sorry, there was a little bit of an echo there. Clubs are clean, clubs are safe, and, and clubs and the services that we provide are essential. So we've been working with medical professionals to get out the essential message. And we've obviously, as you know, we worked closely with Brent to get out the MXM um, virus check-in data. We've got some other projects, other research that I can't tell you about right now, but um, you'll see soon. So we're doing what we can on a national level to share as much information as we as possible. And then we invite you guys to use whatever we put out there to use in your local markets. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mary. So, uh, Britt, unfortunately for all of you listening, Britt's uh, here with us uh, and we have her audio, but we've had some malfunctioning with her webcam. So 
can't be seen, but we want to make sure she's heard. Why don't you take the second part of that? Brett, are you out there still? I'm here. Um, yeah, controlling the narrative is tough. Um, I, I think the only way to combat it with us is like to just be your own highlight reel, to kind of own the content that you put out there. Talk about the positive things that are happening inside the club and also talk about things that people maybe haven't on their hearts right now that aren't necessarily super directed to fitness. Um, talking about how we can connect with the company and the community and the things that we do volunteer-wise. I think it kind of changes the narrative to be like, we're not just a fitness facility. We are a place that connects with the community and, and betters the surroundings. So not only should you support every other business, um, you should support us as well. Yeah, okay, yes, Allison. Uh uh, yeah, I mean, I love everything that Britt is developing around um, like social responsibility. It's definitely sort of added to our story. Um, also, Aaron Moore, who's our head of operations, he created a medical board. So he reached out to like different medical professionals in all sorts of realms, and he reaches out to them with different questions. So when something pops up and they're like, oh my gosh, you can't wear gaiters anymore, or oh my gosh, it's the air, it's the air. And you know, like every day the media um, comes out with some new problem that's gonna murder us all. And then Aaron can go to our medical board and say like, well, what do you guys think? And then we can use their guidance to tailor our message and we can also use the fact that we have a medical board to um, like verify why we're making these statements. Right. Yep. No, that's a re really good strategy. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, and, and Blair, we were talking earlier just about how really some of the clubs are taking data and information and using that to sort of change the narrative to use Brit's words. Can you just tell everybody a little bit about what we were speaking of? Yeah, and I and I, I think it's really important that we continue to use whatever data, whatever research is coming out of Versa, that you're using that in your own social media, that you're calling it out as much as possible. And then, um, for example, uh, Saco Sport and Fitness, after their first 25,000 check-ins, put out information that said 25,000 check-ins, zero cases of COVID. And then they highlighted the six key areas on which they were focusing from social distancing to hygiene, the, their main six areas, and did a great infographic. So when you see some of this high level uh, research or data, think of how you can localize that message. And, and, and I, th I think that's an opportunity for, you know, for everybody, for everybody out there. Yeah. Yeah, and Bill, what are your thoughts from Active's perspective? Oh, I think you're muted, Bill. He's a rookie. He's a rookie, so just you know. I, that is true. I am much younger than you, Blair. Um, so um, yes, so we we recently had some press too. We were in the New York Times. We had an employee that was talking about being furloughed and losing health insurance and those kinds of things on one of our sites. Um, so controlling the narrative of the story is big. You know, there's so many pieces that go into this topic, Brent, and I don't want to monopolize here, you know, in the opening comments, but, um, you know, originally we were dealing with crisis management, right? And then, then marketing during a crisis and then marketing reopening. And then now we're kind of in a phase of press release, case studies, trying to reshape, you know, the essential nature of our business. Um, so there's a lot of pieces that go into it, but, but, I, but I will say on a global basis is, don't be afraid to speak up and get involved. If somebody's writing an article in the press, New York Times, Post, whatever, hit it head on, cooperate, share your position, share your data, share your story. You know, don't put your head in the sand because when you show personal responsibility, you get a lot more uh, back. Um, our story wound up being very neutral, nothing negative about us at all. Um, the story that Ursa and MXM were involved with in, in the Washington Post, that could have been a lot worse had Blair and Ursa not cooperated so much with them in the story. So as bad as it was from our perspective, it could have been a lot worse. And so just get ahead of it and hit it head on and don't feel like you've got to be bashful about participating, even if you think it's a hatchet job, you know, story. No, and I like the one of the words you used very early on there, Bill, was with your personal responsibility. I mean, 
we have uh, the URSA Association and we have some other groups that are really fighting to get the message changed out there, but it really does start truly in your own backyard, right? You've got to take responsibility for things that are happening in your own backyard, in your own club, in your own community, in your own city, in your own county. Uh, and that's really how we're going to gain the momentum we need to, to swing this the other direction. Blair? Yeah, I, 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 one of the most important things that club operators can do is don't have an outbreak. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I cannot stress this enough, and I, and I don't want, we, we should not be overlooking this, right? And, and the, the, the greatest chance of an outbreak is going to be probably in your group fitness areas. And I think you're going to have to make sure that you are, that we're really making sure that we are on top of our guidance, that we're on top of our game. Because every one of us, every one of us can help this entire industry by making sure that we don't have outbreaks. Outbreaks are not likely to come from your big gym area with high air turnover and a lot of air volume and people spaced out. Uh, it's, it's as other areas start to reopen is where there will be higher risk. And so everybody needs to be on their game. Right, right. Um, Britt. What what are your thoughts about that? Taking it, taking care of it in your own backyard, so to speak, with your own club and community. Just doing the work with things internally, um, making sure that employees feel safe and comfortable, and they don't have the opportunity to speak negatively outside of the conversations that we're having, um, and, and just doing checkups on people. This is a, is a weird time, <laughs> so checking and asking, are you feeling okay? Um, when's the last time you got tested? Are you are you feeling okay with everything going on? You know, politically, just checking on people and ensuring that people are doing well, so they don't feel the need to kind of outburst outside of the conversations. Okay, great. Allison, you want to add anything to that? I'll just say that, um, like, um, in addition to like, if you have good relationships with your staff and your members, there's less of a chance they're going to run to the media, but um, I am thankful for our relationships with the media because um, some reporters have called to just say, well, how are you guys? And they care about us. They want us to succeed. We're a local business. So like we have to foster and care for what they need and they have to then look out for us and make sure that they don't tell a story that like basically shuts us down. Right. So any thoughts about how we create sort of that trust with the local media and so forth? Bill, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to I was going to clarify something else, but but uh, I'll come back around because we've moved on. Go ahead if you want to. Well, in California, um, they passed an ordinance about reporting claims. So this is to, to Blair's point about don't have an outbreak. And uh -huh. if you have less than 100 employees in California, um, you're considered having an outbreak. I think if you have four cases. If you have more than 100 employees, you're considered having an outbreak if it's 25% of your workforce. So, um, so if you run a club with less than 100 employees, in order to qualify as an outbreak, you'd have to have four employees that contracted. You know, so if you had five employees and only two got it, you still wouldn't be considered an outbreak in California under workers' comp. Now I'm talking about employees, not members. Right. Um, but as California goes with these kinds of laws, a lot of other states follow suit. So workers comp is a uh, COVID-19 is a workers comp claim. It's presumed to be a workers comp claim. It will not affect your mod scores as an individual business, but the claims are going to be exorbitant. So everybody can expect their workers comp insurance to probably go up in the marketplace. So I just wanted to build on what Blair was saying about an outbreak. Thanks for the good news, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, right. had something, Allison had something on the topic you were talking about. I mean, it was probably like something really cheerful, like do fun events with the press. I don't think it was like your workers' comp's going to go through the roof. I don't know, Brett, <laughs> ask me something peppy and I'll give you something. <laughs> what are some good uh, feedback that you've gotten from, uh, you already mentioned the local reporters, but from the community at large, uh, how have y'all had success, you know, with positioning the image that we want in your own community? Yeah, so, um, I mean, the um, the people that have come back feel 
like we're doing a great job. And they communicate that through the Medallia scores and through um, Yelp scores. And then when we get the Yelp reviews, we're just reusing them as constant content relentlessly, which Brent could, uh, Brent could speak to because that's her job. But um, we are so happy with the response that we're getting. And I think it's because we're strict in a way that they feel really safe with. So you have to wear a mask 100% of the time. And we have people walking the floor and reinforcing that. And the couple people that are annoyed are um, like outnumbered by the people that feel safe. And um, that has rippled into messaging for us that's not only keeping us safe, but also I think speaking well for us. So, so Brent, I'm sorry, go ahead, Meredith. Sorry, I was just gonna say that that's, um, it's so important to share those messages, but also to share them visually, show pictures of your club with people in it, but not too many people in it, and obviously that's just, <laughs> but show that your club is socially distant, and now you should feel comfortable going into the club because it's not the crowds that you see, like people picture a club in January, you want to show pictures of hopefully older adults that feel comfortable in there and get them to share their message um, audio-wise or written or ho however, but you really need to share it with with visuals so people can see that it's not just the, the fit, healthy young people that feel confident going to the club. It is older people. It might be people with a pre-existing condition that know that even though that they have a higher COVID risk, they're still better off in the long run if they keep exercising and going to their club. That is the healthier choice and they feel healthy making that choice in your club. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So Britt, you're sort of a social media maven from what I hear. So tell us all a little, uh, some of your tips and successes uh, in the social media realm. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I've learned that now that people are on social media way more than they were before, because we just are at home with our phones in our hands, Instagram and Facebook kind of love the content that keeps you on their platform. So instead of having a, a picture and a, a testimonial, they love the content that is a three minute video because it keeps you on their platform longer Then they'll push it, they'll promote it for you. So what I've been doing is, is really utilizing Instagram TV and long form video on Facebook. Uh, we did a few testimonials from uh, some personal trainers, favorite clients. Well, they would just tell me, what made you feel comfortable coming back to the gym? Like, why have you been a member here for so long? What are the, the best things about it? I would just put that audio over video of them working out with their trainer, of them, you know, doing the entire cleaning process that we have everyone do of them getting checked. So if you are someone at home that can relate to that person in our Vita community, you're like, wow, it's, it's working for them. It's coming from them. It's not a, a study that I don't know how to, how to resource. It's real person giving a real testimonial and me actually seeing the process that it takes them to go through to get in the gym and be checked in. And it's really performed well and it's been fun. It's just been fun to hear great stories of people who really missed being in the clubs. So I, I love that idea. That's great advice. Is there, where, where, where might we send our listeners to see an example of that? Right on our Instagram page at Vita Fitness DC. If you click on our IGTV, we have um, a bunch of different of those videos uh, with the trainer testimonials and actual tours of our clubs as well. That's worked. We have a new location that we opened up during a pandemic that comes with its own struggles. But seeing the um, virtual tour perform well, it, it, it makes it better because people, some people can't come into the gym just yet. So it's it's really good. So I would definitely go to our IGTV and check them out and also our Facebook page in the video section. Okay, thank you very much. So Blair, jumping back to the point you were making earlier about embracing, you know, sort of the data and information and then talking about your club specifically, how many visits you've had, the fact that there's been no COVID. The other thing I know that you and Bill and, uh, and I all talked about with Joe Cerulli at the Gainesville Health and Fitness Center is the video that was done by Rudy um, you know, the per, he's been an architect in our industry for decades and designed hundreds and hundreds of clubs. And he was really great, I thought, in his short video about the fact that clubs are a safe place to be. They're designed to have over 20 air exchanges, you know, per hour compared to restaurants or retail places or bars. Uh, so 
in essence, health clubs really have a design mechanism in place that's really suited very well to limit the pandemic exposure. Yeah, and if you, so, and that's where um, so much of the conversation is going. I, I've, I've spent some time with uh, a guy named Joseph uh, Humard from East Carolina, East Carolina University, and he and eight other um, uh, universities are involved in the biggest longitudinal study on exercise ever, fully funded by the NIH, and have recent and they got shut down, and so they're trying to restart that study, and they're using both. He, really, you have an East Carolina? That's my alumni. I graduated what? from. You're kidding me. Oh my God. Maybe I should talk to a different school. Um, so, but one of the things that they're one of the things that they're showing, and I actually sent this to Meredith just a little bit ago, all about the air, and it's a Dutch study, all about air turnover in in indoors and why why sports facilities. So I, that's a big, big deal. Then yeah. take a look at your voice of member system, and as those comments come in, you're going to find comments that align with those things. You're going to find people using the term, you know, fresh air indoors, and so you can start to utilize those member comments to kind of support the image um, that you're trying to portray within your market. I think that's one of the highest value pieces you can use. Yeah, I think you touched on one point there. I think when we talk about the messaging we're recommending to our listeners, the information really has changed from the WHO and the CDC away from sort of surface cleanliness, although that's still very important, but really now it's more about air quality and air droplets and transmission uh, of those droplets and tracking that, right? So the shift we really probably need to continue to make in the clubs is more toward the air purification and sanitation policies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to back up, I mean, we were designed to take humidity and moisture out of the air. Like, I mean, right. we were designed, you know, so that's a different story than just clean air. You know, 12 to 20 air exchanges per hour of fresh air from the outside, humidity control, you know, plus the those that are using infrared and all the other things. So, you know, that's really a an important part of the whole story and, and Blair I'm excited that you're working on that. Thanks. Yeah very good. Okay uh, so Meredith what else is uh, sort of a hot topic now on this member messaging? I mean if we could if you could really get the clubs listening to help promote a particular message about the industry how might you phrase that or categorize that? What, what do we really need to get the message out there about? I will answer your question but first I have a question for the audience. Right now, one of the big things is all the clubs who've moved outdoors and are setting up outdoor exercise. Obviously, that can work for the you know foreseeable future if you're in a warm climate or in California. But I have a reporter for a national outlet that wants to talk about how, what that will look like as we move into fall and winter. Will that still be feasible? So if any of you are in a cooler climate and plan on continuing to do outdoor exercise, uh, give me an email, pr at ursa.org, and I'll put you in touch with this reporter. I do need to get back to him by end of day today, though. On to Brent's question about um, messages to promote. Um, It was touched on earlier about being a member of your community. You're not just a place for exercise. You're truly a member of your community. What we say when we talk about how our industry is essential, yes, of course, it's, it's physical health and mental health and stress relief, but you might also be where kids learn to swim or it's, a, you know, you might be a parent's only source for childcare the three times a week that they come in for a workout. You might have um, classes for um, teenagers on how to learn their sport. Whatever the case may be, you are so much more than just a health club or a gym. You really are part of the community and that will go away if, if you go away. So that's the message that we're I'm really trying to get across it's more than just fitness yeah great bill but just you know if you think about political campaigns or anybody trying to get a national message across they have talking points 
you know, and they all go Sunday on all the different news and they all stick to their talking points, right? So what are our talking points as an industry that we're all talking about? For me, it's essential business, safe place, community, we're here with you, right? To what exactly what Meredith just said. But I think that if we had three talking points that we really blew up throughout the industry, so everybody was on the same page with what we're saying whenever we can say it, you know, and, and for fitness is essential, we're as safe as you can be, and we're, we're all about community and, and being here with you, you know. So I really think that versus Bob saying this, Emily saying this, Bill saying this, and nobody ever understands what Blair's saying, you know, so that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Britt, um, what, what, what are your thoughts along uh, those talking message points? What have been the top message points that you've been trying to drive home repeatedly for Vita? I've been focusing a lot on the members that were there previously, um, not as much as like so much bring new members in, bring new members in, but the, the members that froze their membership to try to get them back. And the message is kind of, we are ready for you to return. We've done all of these things and, and kind of highlighting the things that we can provide that you can't get from whatever you've been doing in the meantime. So highlighting the things that you're missing by working out at home. Cause I mean, it's this point, it's been months of people working out at home. So a lot of them are used to it, but I'm like, well, you're missing your trainer. You're missing this piece of equipment. Like you can lift your cat and your dog all day, but at some point, you know, your results are going to plateau. Like these are the things that you need that we have and we've made them super safe and sanitized for you. Yeah, I think that's great for a club. I think, you know, clubs are also sort of walking this fine line, meaning they want to get the message points out, just as you mentioned, Britt, to their members to get encourage them to come back to the club. At the same time, I think as an industry, uh, we're also wanting just to raise the awareness about the fact that, you know, exercise and developing your immunity and stress relief and mental health are about being physically active. And that could be in the club, but it also could be outside the club. So there's a higher purpose to some of this messaging. The community is what I really stress. Even before the crisis, I used to be fielding inquiries from reporters that asked me, well, isn't Peloton and Mirror and streaming services going to kill your industry? And I, I, I was always like, no, they're feeders. I, nobody that has a Peloton isn't also going to the club. You, there's that sense of community. There's the tribe. You want to be with people like you. That doesn't change. They might come back a little slower, but that does not change. We're still their place of community. I totally agree. I feel like if we can just get them to come in a few times, then they see it. So the job for the marketing team is to just say enough to get them to come back and see it and try it because I think people think their at-home routine is probably fine and working well for them. But then when you go back, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot, I love this. So it's just our job to make them feel safe enough to get in the door, probably more times than it used to take for them to change their mind. Like we'll see them have to come back maybe two or three times, but once that happens, they're back. Flair, you were gonna say something? No, I, but I like listen. I'm just going to say how much I like listening to you, Allison. Keep oh going. Oh my God, I like listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, um, like, what our base assumptions are about the people that haven't come back in. I know we have some base assumptions there. Some people don't feel safe. Um, some, some people have started a new routine. I, I, I wonder what percentage of them we've been, you know, replaced with their couch. Right. And, and, yeah. you know, and um, I'm eager to start seeing some of the uh, messaging on what we're calling thaw campaigns, right? In these thaw campaigns, what messaging becomes most effective for, uh, for what segment? After, depending on how long you've been closed, for us it was six months. It's really easy to get into a, a different groove. I mean, uh, we, we found ourselves like we used to go out to eat fairly frequently. Well, now I'm finding that I'm not doing that anymore. It's not because I don't, I feel unsafe or, or, or anything. It's almost like I have to get restarted to go out and enjoy that again. I think to Allison's point when she's saying that, God, I forgot how much I like this, but I wonder how, how many of us, you know, that that exercise has been replaced with Peloton and how much has been replaced with a couch. So yeah. we did um, a campaign last month. I feel bad. Because someone, I just interrupted someone. 
We just did a campaign last month called like Back on Track and it was basically like it's free, anyone can do it and you just sign up and like every day we're going to give you different um, tools for getting back on track and it wasn't just fitness, it was also, I mean it was nutrition and believe it or not it was self-care because like look at how long some of our hair has gotten and um like you maybe stopped washing your face because you weren't putting on makeup anyway because you weren't leaving the house so you stopped washing your face so like this back on track challenge the idea of it was like okay every day we're going to give you something that just takes you like a little step closer to where you were because i do think you're right and blair i don't i think you're also right that it's not going to be for everyone like a lot of our members are like I don't care. I'm not coming back. But there are there are there is a segment of people that are like, I'm just gotten really lazy and these nachos taste so good. And then I also think there's a segment of people that are like, I'm ready to come back, but I need a push. And like we've been really resistant to do promotions. And um, as a company, we don't like to do sales. But I sort of want to test that out in October to be like, OK, well, like who just needs push? and see where that goes. I don't think that the um, gym is going to explode, but I'm curious to see like what, to your point, what segments need what incentive to move forward? Like, yes, there's safety, 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 but then I also think there's plain old free month of membership. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. And Bill, you and I have talked a lot uh, over the last uh, month or two about the changing Biden behaviors. I know you're really into that as well. Do you want to add anything on to that? Yeah, I mean, for me right now is um, we we have a, we have six people on our market, and and, and Andy Velez and, and Jessica really good um, that I'd like to share with everybody. Share with everybody. Yeah, maybe if a couple of y'all can mute your. Uh, maybe a couple of you. Yeah, I'm getting feedback too. But but you know so. On those blogs, one's a reopening marketing plan, and the first thing that 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 we talk about in that is a website audit. And so, when I'm looking for restaurants to go to, or or is, is Dick's Sporting Good open, or is a curbside steal, or whatever, you know, really doing a thorough website audit um, because we forget what's on our website, and a lot of it isn't relevant to the current reality. So time stamping all of your updates. So if you do a page, do a timestamp on it, last updated X, contact information and hours right up front. Yes, we're open these hours. So, you know, when you talk about communication and behavioral change and expecting people to do certain things, you know, one, we got to make it easy for them to understand, you know, so, you know, website audit, timestamp, um, leverage your virtual, outline your safety measures, restructure your membership, modify your class schedules and hours so that's up front so people know what to expect. You know, putting all that out, you know, so when we talk about tangible items, what do we need to do in the communications and, and to support member behavior, you know, we gotta we gotta really go back and and kind of like we're opening a brand new club, you know, review every page, everything, think about the consumer today, you know, um, and, and 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 shift that versus let me just bury it or let me just update deep in the, you know, but rethink the whole thing. So um, Rachel can put in, you know, some resources, you know, in the notes, but, um, but, I, but I think we got to step back and go, okay, let me do a website audit. Let me think through the things that, that this excellent panel has shared with regard to messaging um, and start from scratch in the mindset uh, versus just kind of going back to our same old stuff. Yeah, one of the listeners is posting a, not really a question, but kind of a statement, which I think bears sharing with everyone. And that is, you know, she's of the opinion that, wow, you know, the consumer at home is really going to be looking to get out more than ever because they might be working from home now. So do they really want to work at home, live at home, have their children schooled at home and work out at home? Maybe, maybe there's an opportunity, an increased opportunity for them to escape, if you will, to the gym. I totally agree, personally. And, and in, in our website audit, and what we're talking about is mapping out the customer journey. What are yeah. the, you know, what's going to happen? How do you use it? You know, but from everything, if you do digital ads, like we really are upticking our digital optimization right now, and our web page loading, and and you know, re looking at all of it. But you know, are your staff in masks? You know, are you thinking about you know images that represent the current reality? 
you know, I saw another ad the other day for personal training and a client, a trainer were right next to each other. And, and I'm like, that's not the reality of now. That's a stock photo that you've used two years ago, you know? And so, you know, every image, every message you put out there, people, people are going through a different lens and how they interpret it. Yep. 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 Good point. Very good point. Allison, you were saying you have some personal experience there. You're like, uh, yes, I agree with that. What was, you want to share that with everybody? You told people not to yammer at the beginning of this. No one wants to hear about my boring life, but I agree with the person in the chat window. I'm working sometimes from home, my kids home. I can't wait to go to the gym. That's all. Oh, that's it. Okay. There's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Britt, we go haven't heard from you. Can you weigh okay. in with a little more uh, advice for everyone from your perspective and your experiences there? Um, I've just tried to create content that makes people have FOMO, which is like the fear of missing out, where you feel like you're missing out on some something or or something that makes you laugh. I think a lot of people are spending time looking at content that isn't so much fitness related. So I've, I've played with some non-fitness content and spend it and, and jumping on trends, whether it's something funny, like don't have dinner at Carol Baskin's house. She might be serving her ex-husband instead contact a dietitian and see what you should eat or like hey in between commercials during dancing with the stars try and like do one of the dances during the commercial break and and record it and tag us in it like fun things that makes people like oh i can follow them because this is kind of trendy and funny and slowly want to engage with our content uh, okay, so in that vein, I love that topic. I forget who said it, but it's been almost a decade, but I still remember very clearly at an URSA keynote, he said, related to PR and public uh, messaging, you need to ride the wave that's out there. Don't try and create one, like jump on somebody else's, right? For sure. I mean, if you look at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anytime that a certain show is on, that's all people are talking about. So just join the conversation and then make it about your facility. Like, like I said, you know, oh, what are you guys doing? It's a commercial break. Like people are live tweeting or, and I'll schedule something that's like, hey, if you wanna learn a fun dance that you just saw in Dancing with the Stars, here's some of our dance classes, our dance workouts, and just like making fun, like meme-like content. It's like right. we're dealing so with people who are tired of COVID. It's like everybody wants to know you're clean and safe, but you're also like so tired of hearing about it. So yeah. how do you communicate like what people need to know? And Bill, it's probably through your website, user experience um, mapping, but also, so like, yeah, here's what you need to know to trust us, but then aren't you tired of this? Like, don't you want to do something else? Yeah, so uh, maybe we should have reconstituted the panel today, you know, based on the example we all had last night. I mean, this is pretty tame. You guys are pretty easy. You're listening to me, and I mean, <laughs> I don't know what 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 should we be doing today. <laughs> well, I was. What, uh, all what? I'm probably the only one that didn't even watch last night. I just heard about it, but <laughs> my husband wouldn't let me watch it. He said it was stressing him out. Ah, I see. Watching it, and I had nightmares all all night because of it. You should not fall asleep listening to people scream at each other. It's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there a movie called Grumpy Men or something? It, it seemed like it was a, a replay of of that movie, Grumpy Men. Right. No, I usually fall asleep to people yelling at each other, but it's in the form of like a real housewife reunion. Um, so that's what I would prefer. <laughs> okay, great. So to Allison's point about uh, some of the new fitness, uh, the question is delivering now, how much uh, COVID related issues do you think members want to continue hearing? Or do you think indeed we probably need to begin to change that message at this point? I mean, it's, I don't, uh, go ahead, sorry. No, I just, you know, I, I'm fatigued by it all, um, but I was talking to somebody the other day that lost their 52 year old father who uh, was healthy and fit with no comorbidity issues whatsoever. And um, and so we got 200,000 plus deaths, right? And half the states are still going up. So while we're all fatigued and a lot of us wanna just kind of move on and ignore it, um, it, it, it's still there and it's still very real. Um, my brother had it and luckily got better very quickly without going to the hospital. So I think that we, we 
we want to get people back to a routine with us because we can add a lot of value with all the mental wellness things that we've talked about in the past. But we also can't minimize the severity of the situation. And, and so that's a, a line that we gotta, we gotta stay with. I went to Starbucks the other day and it was the first time I saw, they had a table out front with napkins on it, a napkin dispenser and said, use a napkin to open the door. No other businesses that, that I've gone to have a way to open the door without touching the door. A lot of them have sanitizer when you get in. But I think that we have to, to let us get you moving and get you back into the community and we are safe and doing everything possible. I still think it's it's got to be both messages personally. Yeah, yeah, we I agree. Were, at URSA, we were talking about it um, based on some research. Obviously, as you mentioned, COVID is very serious, 200,000 plus people. It's still a drop in the bucket compared to heart disease. And so we at URSA have been, Am I the only one hearing that echo? Sorry. Um, Not close. We're we're trying to figure out what's the balance. How do we politely address that COVID is an issue and will be an issue for a very long time, but still pointing out there's seasonal flu every year. There are other ways people die. Heart disease is the main way that most people in the country die, and we are a solution to heart disease. So let's kind of, you know, it, but it's a very fine line because if you cross that line in the wrong way, you will look very callous. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I, let's take my, my person I was talking to, his father, 52 years old, that was an exerciser. Um, I can eat like crap and not move and die of heart disease. And I have, either genetic disposition or behavioral um, contribution to that lifestyle. Well, I could be walking down the street and catch COVID because somebody um, had it near me and I have no control over that. So I think the nuance of um, contributory factors of heredity, of the randomness of an infectious disease versus a lifestyle disease, I think there is a, there is a difference there and I think you have to do both in tandem versus either or, personally. You know, um, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, controllable to some degree, genetic to some degree, varying things, but, um, you know, don't, don't be so afraid of this that you die from this. It needs to be in tandem to me. Yeah, I think a part of the frustration has been, you know, from club operators and suppliers and other health and fitness professionals throughout our industry is just a little bit about COVID has gotten so much attention nationally and politically and otherwise. And these chronic diseases uh, and physical inactivity and rising rates of obesity, I think the latest number I saw from CDC now is 43% of the population. Uh, which, oh, by the way, is the number one precursor to death from COVID is obesity. Uh, but you don't hear it, not a, any of this, right? So the millions and millions of dollars and uh, PR that's all gone around COVID and research and the publicity, and then there's just not a word out there about healthcare in a real sense. Yep. Britt, are you still with us out there online? I'm here. I'm here. This yeah, is I'm here. This is yeah. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? Is like Bill suggesting about you know the COVID versus uh, the healthcare continuum, if you will? I think, like we mentioned earlier, people don't want to hear about it, but we we have to. Um, there's certain things that you can't stay silent on, and that's everything that's happening. Um, whether it be COVID pandemic or social injustice, we have to have a voice or a stance on it. Um, whether we like it or not, it's just something that needs to happen. But, you know, we do have a responsibility to not forget about like health. I think there's ways to kind of sprinkle it in and still be sensitive um, because people are reacting, at least on social, out of anger, out of, out of fear, out of hurt. Um, they're scared. So you have to talk to someone as if they're already in a vulnerable position. So mentioning, hey, like 
yes, you can get you ha you can get COVID more if you have these things, and this is a healthy way to prevent them. But you know, you have to sugarcoat it and make it in a way where you're talking to someone who is is hurting, and that's really the reality of it. Right. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Bill. It's just I always go back to on some of these conversations back to Simon Sinek stuff, right? Um, and the original Golden Circle. You know, if you're the kind of person that wants to take full control of your life, you know, when he talks about the VCR or the TiVo, you know, if you're the kind of person that wants to give yourself the best possible life, you know, then you might want to be fit and exercise and have the highest degree of immunity possible. You know, so it's I can get lung cancer without ever smoking a cigarette, right? But but if I don't smoke a cigarette, I have a lot less chance of getting lung cancer. So I think I think again back to that messaging of if you're the type of person that really wants to live the best quality life, you know, exercise, nutrition, activity, socialization around other positive people, you know. So you know, I just think it's um, the the message is in there with all of it: uh, reduced risk, higher probability of success, um, but we have to protect against this this virus too. Yep, yep, good points. Blair, we haven't heard from you in a little yeah. while. Go ahead. There, I, I we're, we've all been muting to, to try to avoid the, uh, to try to avoid the feedback. No, I, I think that's right. I, I'm just, while I keep talking, thinking about what, what attracts me to go do something. And there is this tremendous amount of fatigue around you know, just a ton of negativity. And I think people are getting a steady diet of, um, you, you know, of news. Thank God now all sports are, you know, like hitting here <laughs> because at least that starts to give you something else to look at. And I, I really feel like that actually can start to have some optimism creep into society more when you start to see things normalize a bit more, like, you know, like having, you know, baseball, hockey, well, hockey just ended, but uh, football, everything kind of going all at once. So I, that that lifts your spirits a little bit. And then I think about, I, I took a, a, a brief golf trip down to Las Vegas to the win. And it, it felt so good to have a, something be a little bit normal, even, even though things in the hotel and the casino were, uh, you know, a, a bit more strange, but to be able to, you know, go someplace and go do something recreational has me motivated now to do that once a month, to go someplace and golf once a month. But I had to get that first one in. So I do think this messaging has to has to be a balance, but there I'm really trying to dial into what really would motivate me personally to get back in. And and um I I do think this messaging has to be balanced. I think it has to be, I think we have to be more optimistic in our messaging. I like what Britt has been saying about, you know, about having more fun with the messaging, some of the, uh, you know, some of the uh, social media stuff that she's doing. I think we have to do that and let people come in and see, then, then you better execute your plan inside the club. So if you, like, I, I think Vita, I think what Vita did was they made masks required, even though that wasn't mandated on them. Right. They did that themselves and it's played well for them. So you can't you, you can't say, you know, uh, have that fun message and, and then people come into the club and it plays out as holy crap. It's unsafe in here. You have to execute that. Let people witness it and then people will give you their voice and they're going to say things like, I feel so much safer coming in here than going to the grocery store. Just got that comment about three times in the last week. You know, love what you guys have done. I feel incredibly safe. Thank you. By the way, that's what I'm sporting back here. By the way, I have to I have to call this out because these are two giant thank you cards from members from our two locations. So that's why I have that up there as my as my backdrop uh, the, the, this week that I that I change every week. I I think there has to be a I think we have to start taking a more optimistic tone. But then back to what I said before, don't have a freaking outbreak <laughs> if we can take that optimistic tone um but better execute your plan well right so a question uh, from the audience again is uh what do you guys think about a 30 second and he's referring to it as a sizzle video about the club 
sharing that message. Do y'all are y'all fans of that? Which message? The cleaning or? Uh, he doesn't get specific. He's about yeah the cleaning routine and just sort of what the culture in the club is now after COVID and coming back. I mean, we did one. We did. I mean, Blair um, Britt does videos every day that are um, longer form or shorter form. But we did do like a high quality professional 30 second sizzle reel about our cleaning protocols. And um, what we really tried to do is make it about who we are as a gym. So it was beautiful and edgy and fast paced, but also it was people with Tursano guns cleaning. And okay. um, so it was hard to get it to be a story about us, but also a story about cleaning, but I think it was worthwhile. Okay. Britt, you wanna weigh in on that as well? Yes, I love that video. I, I, I encourage people to do videos right now just because you know the social media gods like it and they'll push it more. So I think a sizzle video is great, um, but also static content too. Like if you find a, a really good um, photo to post or just like any chance that you get to explain what's happening in real time, I'm a fan of. People need to see it. Like I've been in repeating all the time, come see for yourself. Like, here's what it looks like. This isn't, a, you know, like someone mentioned before, a stock photo from last year. This is what's happening, um, whether it be a live stream or, you know, just going to different clubs and getting involved with Instagram stories, which are 15 seconds, and it can just show people checking in just so you're like, hmm, I wonder what's going on at Vita right now. Oh, you can see it. Yeah, that I, and if the, uh, Brian O'Rourke did a fabulous video that was just put to music, to, uh, put to the uh, song, Ooh Child. And he did it about a month or so ago uh, out to the industry. And that I thought that style of video was was really inspiring. And 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 if you go, if you look at that video, that might give you some ideas of something that you could do using your own images within your club. There are some very motivating moments in that video, right? That the outdoor cycling class that obviously people were having a lot of fun. And uh, I just thought that was a that's a great example. A great example get out there. Yeah. Sorry, and, also the video that um, Gainesville did with Rudy's voiceover of how clean the club is. Gainesville's advertising person did that just with an iPhone. It was not fancy equipment. It was just video of the staff cleaning the club. And then they put it to Rudy's message about the air turnover quality. So yeah. you don't need to, it, obviously, if you can pay for the experts to do something, great, but you don't need it. People just want to see what's real. So I wouldn't I wouldn't let perfect be the enemy of just getting out there and communicating. Yep, uh, good advice. Allison, go ahead. You said we kind of like perfect though, Anita. <laughs> well, Bill? you know, pre preparing for this webinar, Brent, because I'm always um, trying to do my homework ahead of time. <clears throat> unlike um, one of the re other regular panelists. Um, I went to um, three of the top brands in our space, um, yep. a brand, urban brand, a suburban brand, and an iconic brand. Um, and within the first page, you see trainers working with clients this close to each other. You see images that have nothing to do with the current reality. And these are three well-known brands. So if you wanna see what others are depicting with their messaging versus their photos and their older posts. Um, I just keep going back to what something Blair said early on in one of the earliest first webinars, however many weeks ago, over-professionalize your competition. And putting up a message layered with your old photos of trainers this close to their clients, um, members this close to each other, sends a, a disconnect. And so, you know, I want people in the audience and the viewers to take something from these sessions each week, right? Go through and audit your website and clean up the imaging and the messaging to the reality of what you want them to know with the key talking points. Um, because um, it's just too easy to layer it on and then you look non-authentic or you look phony. Like, here's what we say, but here's really still what we're doing with personal training. And here's really what we're still doing. And so I just think that 
that you've got to you got to step back and be strategic in the thinking and really do the hard work of going through and auditing all your stuff. Well, I've got another good question from the audience. We only have about five minutes left, so this will be our last question. It's a good one to end on, I think. And the question is, um, what have you seen as the best way or an example to help the industry move from being considered non-essential to essential? Um, so I'd like to pose that to the group and let everybody kind of finish up with that particular comment and any parting advice. And uh, Britt, if you don't mind, maybe I'll start with you. I think it goes back to what we said. Um, right now, with all these trying times, we're, we're we're happy to be alive. We're happy to be here. So make the most of it. Get to your best self. And when you think about being your best self, whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, whether it's emotionally, I think fitness is essential to that process. If you get to wet back to where people say, I want to get back to normal. Well, we can't make the world get back to normal, but some things can. So think about who you were and what you were doing when you were your best self. Getting back to that, I think the gyms are essential. And I think that's the message there. I like it. Allison, you want to follow her? <laughs> I agree with Britt. And I also feel like Blair was hitting on this earlier when you were talking about like what motivates someone. So um, like uh, if I take the Metro and I tell somebody, oh, I took the Metro to work there. Like, what are you trying to die? And I'm like, well, I'm alone on a car. No one else is on the Metro, but you go grocery shopping and you think that's safe. You never stopped, right? So what's essential is different to what matters the most to that person. And I think that's what we need to serve them is what, what matters to you? Is it the sense of community, being with other people, using the heavier weights, being in the class, like being with the trainer, what is essential to you? And that is what is essential. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, kind of defined differently by different people, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Blair, I'll let you go next. Well, I think, um, you know, I don't know how much more there is to say about this because it is, you know, I mean, uh, movement exercise is being shown more and more continuously to be the magic pill. If there's a magic pill for all that ails us, it appears to be exercise. It appears to be movement. Now, um, I, some states are trying to get away from the word essential and non-essential uh, businesses. Yep. They're trying to separate from that. There might be other language that we use as, you know, it is because that puts us in a category with uh, others. But um, I feel like exercise is a requirement for well-being, exercises a requirement for physical and mental health. Um, I, you know, you just, it's not an option if you wanna be healthy, exercise. And so, what I'm thinking less about the, the, how essential the business is, but how essential what we do is. And yeah. then that, and that, you know, backing that into how many people go without when we're not around. Because a huge part of the population goes without uh, when we're not around. They go without the requirement that's necessary to be healthy and well. Yeah, and frankly, they were going without when we were around, and even more so now. Yeah. It's just uh, pronounced. Meredith, next. Uh, Brett makes a good point about the word essential. We We obviously are beating that drum on the national level every day, but I also do use the word vital. I think it, it's it might hit them a little bit more as a, a core vitality, vital. It, it's 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 just a different word that I think has a little bit more personal pull to it. Everybody already said such great things. I don't need to add. Okay, I like your word vital though. I think that's awesome, Bill. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. One is as an industry, you know, we've talked about it before. We we the health club industry, the private health club industry, hasn't gone into underserved markets um, of lower economic areas. We've left that to the YMCA's and the Boys and Girls Clubs and the rec centers and so on and so on. So I think we have to view our industry as broader to be more inclusive in order to get people to change the perception. Um, and there's different levels of that. I really believe in standards. I think our industry has done itself a disservice by not having set standards. And so there's standards as one level. If you want to take it up a notch, there's licensure. If you want to take it up an even higher notch, there's certification. 
Um, and I know that a lot of people viewing this are against government interference in our industry, but I think not having a set of standards that we abide by hurts us as an industry. Um, so to me, how do we, the question was, how do we change the view of our industry? Got to be more inclusive and, and consider all lives as far as um, uh, access to fitness. Yes. And, and we've got to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Uh, those would be my takeaways to that question. Very good. Well, thank you all again for volunteering, Bill and Blair, as always. Great information and uh, great feedback. And to the guest panelists, all, all of you ladies, excellent job. Britt, I'm sorry your camera didn't work today, but we really appreciate uh, you being out there on the phone with us and contributing some really good content. Meredith, hey. uh, thank you. Allison, thank you as well. Appreciate it very much. Uh, and also, I want to thank people behind the scenes. You know, every we've been doing this now for weeks and weeks. And uh, Rachel Zablonic uh, Choco from Club Solutions is behind the camera there, uh, helping get these produced every single week, as is Christine Ulikowski from Ursa. So we appreciate uh, both Rachel and Christine as well helping make these come off. So Bill Blair and I uh, get the the FaceTime, but there's a lot more people helping get these done each week. So we appreciate that very much. So thanks everyone again for tuning in again this week. Hope you join us again next week. All the best, be the salt and the light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that's it.